This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, the confirmation process for U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh has opened the floodgates in terms of women recalling sexual assaults in their pasts. It really looks like something major is changing. We've seen huge demonstrations in Washington. And this time, even Donald Trump has said positive things about Kavanaugh's accuser, Christine Blasey Ford. Um, We saw that very dramatic turnaround where Senator Jeff Flake said he would only vote to push the nomination forward on condition that the FBI be allowed to investigate. Briefly, we thought that that would be an extremely limited investigation. Then we heard President Donald Trump say, let the investigation go wherever it takes the FBI. Uh, It's really interesting. He seems to be, uh, to me, sort of talking out of both sides of his mouth, telling some people he's a great guy, and then at other times saying, well, we have to investigate. Uh, Did he lie about his drinking? I think uh, that bothers, that possibility bothers Donald Trump more than the other thing. (laughs) That's my personal opinion. Uh, Because we've also now seen Kavanaugh's former classmates saying, oh, he's really downplaying the extent of his drinking and the way he behaved when he was drinking. So is this some kind of uh, watershed? Will the investigation actually amount to anything or will it just be a a kind of little step along the way, a rubber stamp? Uh, First, we are going to Beckett Adams, a writer at the Washington Examiner. Hello there. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So what, what's your take on the latest developments? Well, I mean, it depends on which part of the development. If it's the FBI investigation, I think one of the, the bigger issues here is the sort of uh, general misunderstanding of what the FBI can do. And it was early on when all these allegations came out, it was pointed out that investigating these allegations of sexual misconduct doesn't fall under the FBI's purview. It's a state and local matter. What the FBI can do is reopen its previous background checks of uh, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, of which they've now performed six, so I guess this would be the seventh. And that's where there was a sort of uh, question, especially during the hearing last week, of would you support the FBI reopening its background check to allow it to go back and collect testimonies from additional persons possibly involved or connected to these allegations? And as we saw last week with uh, Senator Jeff Flake uh, made his vote out of the Senate Judiciary Committee contingent on there being a one-week delay to give the... uh, the FBI time to reopen its investigation. So to your question in your intro of whether or not anything will come out of that, I mean, it's anyone's guess. Um, personally, I think that if they've already performed six and nothing was raised before, I, I would be surprised if they did find anything. And if they do, uh, I'd count that as a net plus. If there is indeed a Supreme Court nominee who has been found uh, with troubling incidents in his past that the FBI uncovers, 
then he shouldn't be set. At the same time, though, I think that also speaks to there might be a, a, a little bit of a problem at the FBI if they had performed six background checks on the man and didn't find anything until the seventh. That, that's a separate discussion. But to your opening question, it's, it's anyone's guess where this investigation goes. Well, the other thing is, and I don't know if this is just a, a Democrat thing, so a lot of people have said, you know, if he lied during that uh, Senate hearing, even if it was not about the sexual assault, that disqualifies him. And suddenly we see a former classmate coming forward to say, mm, he downplayed his drinking. Uh, he was, you know, he got drunk a lot. He got belligerent and he got drunk enough so that he absolutely might have blacked out and and not remember this thing. Uh, and, and I think that in particular bothers Donald Trump, who is a teetotaler. Yeah, of course. Trump is a teetotaler. Uh, he tells it himself on account of the fact that his older brother struggled with alcohol abuse. It's it's actually one of the more humane, endearing things about Trump is this sort of dark past that has sort of, um, not his own past, uh, within his yeah. family that prompted him to not drink. But the, the issue towards whether he lied, I mean, the issue is he testified both to investigators uh, and uh, in before the committee under oath, meaning that carries penalty of perjury. If he did, in fact, lie to either the investigators or to the committee, then, yeah, that's absolutely disqualifying. And more than just disqualifying for a Supreme Court nominee, it's illegal. And so there will be legal ramifications for that. But to the issue of whether he lied about his drinking, what I I kind of take issue with a little bit of that, because he clearly said to both the, the, the investigators. He said, I like beer. <laughs> I really he, like he said, beer. Not just, I like beer. But he said more specifically, he said, sometimes I had too many beers. Now, his friend of his who's come out, Chad, I want to say Lundington, if I'm mispronouncing that, is that he absolutely is downplaying it. And yet the same individual, Chad, also said, I never actually saw him pass out. So I'm not sure how much that can be used to prove he lied. Uh, maybe the best case someone can make is he downplayed it. But I find that hard to reconcile with the claim, the, the very verbatim claim, I had too many beers on occasion, which seems to be an admission. Yeah, I overdrank. I got drunk in college. Okay, well, um, I'd like to bring in Andrew Egger. He's a reporter for the Washington Weekly Standard. Hi, Andrew. Hi there. So what, what is, is your take on um, the new things that are coming out here and this whole issue about whether Brett Kavanaugh was lying about the extent of his drinking? Well, this is the thing that uh, I, like I'm sure you and, and, and all your listeners, have been pondering and, and trying to get my brain around for the last couple of days uh, as, as the, the, you know, the, the aftermath of his testimony last Thursday has played out and people have parsed out what, what he said. Um, I think that uh, I, I agree with Beckett Adams uh, to, to, to an extent what, what you guys were just talking about, um, that, that it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to me that that there's there's evidence that Kavanaugh necessarily lied. I don't think I don't think you could point to any of these things that he said, uh, especially about his his own drinking, and say you know that that's that's factually inaccurate. He perjured himself uh, by deliberately telling a falsehood to the Senate. Now I think there is a case to be made um, that that Kavanaugh, you know, when he was testifying, um, was not you know 
being extremely forthcoming in, you know, his descriptions of what his conduct was like in high school. Um, you know, he senators, Democratic senators were trying to paint a specific picture of him and he was pushing back uh, on that that picture, saying, you know, he was an upstanding guy. Uh, yes, he might have had a few uh, too many beers from time to time. But, you know, on the whole, he was a responsible, a good student. It does seem like there's plenty of evidence uh, from his yearbook and other things that Brett Kavanaugh was a, a partier in high school. And I mean, we we know people like that. We all you know, we, we encountered people like that in our lives. Um, and, and maybe he was not, you know, extremely forthcoming with that information. And so the question is, you know, is that uh, a totally understandable uh, response to Senate Democrats trying to smear and besmirch him with an allegation of sexual assault? Or is that, you know, uh, as, as Democrats would say, uh, is that a guy who is sort of behaving sort of shiftily and uh, and not you know, not behaving as though getting to the actual truth of the matter uh, is at the top of his priority list. Uh, and then they would contrast that with, with, for example, the behavior of uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who, who did seem to be, you know, very interested in uh, getting all of the details, like as accurately as, as she could do, being helpful in the Senate's pursuit of that. And being uh, respectful, you know, inquiry, if I might add. It's, it's tough. Uh, being respectful, I mean, people have brought up his demeanor and said, you know, he, he didn't talk like a Supreme Court judge. He was really rude to uh, Senator Klobuchar, a woman, you know, saying, you know, how well, many did you ever pass out when you were uh, drunk? I mean, it, it um, all these other things have been raised. And he did well, apologize, uh, you know, a couple there. minutes later. Oh, I think he, he realized that that was a little uh, over the line, what he said to Klobuchar specifically. Please jump in. Right. If I could jump in there. So uh, there is, yeah, I would agree with Andrew. His, his um, interaction with Klobuchar was not a bright point for him. But just a few, a few quick things for the listeners. Federal judges are no strangers to outbursts of emotion. Anyone who's familiar with federal judges maybe witnessed a federal judge dressing down people in the court. This happened. The other issue, too, is if we're talking about temperament for the Supreme Court, Judge Kavanaugh has 10 years on the D.C. District that anyone can look into to see how has this man comported himself as a judge. I think it's a bit unfair to compare a hearing in which he is defending himself from allegations he's a serial gang rapist and then saying, well, well that the wasn't the allegation in, in the hearing. I beg, I beg your pardon? That wasn't the allegation in the hearing. That, no, that, 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 that allegation was made, as well as the one made in the New Yorker, were both brought into the hearing, despite the fact that hearing was about Blasey Ford. Both well, of those were mentioned and entered into the record. Um, if I could, if I could uh, add one thing uh, re- real quickly to that, um, I, I agree that uh, uh, largely with, with, with what you're saying, Beckett, about the, um, you know, just the, his temperament and everything. Well, another, another point, that's that's worth making here is that you know the the, the first round of hearings again uh, of, of Brett Kavanaugh hearings were all about his credentials as a jurist you know what kind of what kind of judge he'd be uh, his 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 record on the bench this most recent uh, slate of allegations and this hearing on Thursday wasn't really about him as a candidate for the federal judiciary at all it was about him as a person it was about his character uh, and whether or not he you know as a private citizen had had done these heinous acts. And we don't we don't ask, you know, judges or 
uh, you know, other members of the federal government not to have, you know, political opinions uh, in their personal life. We just ask that they not bleed over into their professional work. You know, we saw this earlier this year with, you know, the, the whole controversy with FBI agent Peter Strzok and how Republicans were clamoring for him to be fired because he had these anti-Trump opinions and plenty of Democrats essentially saying, you know, look, the fact that this guy has political beliefs, we all have political beliefs. They're not, you know, it's, it's whether or not we can sort of silo those off when we do our jobs. And so it, it, for, from where I'm sitting, at least, I was not incredibly uh, worried about the fact that, that Kavanaugh, you know, demonstrated that he didn't really think Democrats were acting in good faith when he's standing there in his capacity as a private citizen uh, responding to, you know, private accusations against his personal character. Okay. Uh, hang on, guys. I'm going to take a couple of calls. We've got Nora in Scarborough. Hi, Nora. Hi. Uh, I'm certainly interested in seeing what the FBI has to say about uh, Brett Kavanaugh, but I'm also interested in knowing if they're going to be doing any further investigation on Mrs. Ford. Uh, I listened to the whole thing for 10 hours the other day, and there are so many holes in her story. Happened a long uh, time ago. Pardon? It happened a long yes, time ago. Yes, yes, it did. But uh, certain things uh, need to be answered in some way. Um, I can give you an example. For example, this party that she went to, it was halfway between the uh, country club where she was and halfway between where she lived. And it was like six miles either way. Uh, she does not remember how she got there. She doesn't remember how she got home after she ran out of that house. Uh, nobody from that house ever called her the next day to say, are you okay? Or what? She must have been traumatized in some way. If someone picked her up to take her home, they would have seen that this girl was traumatized. Somebody would have called somebody to say, is she okay? Like, those are, that's just one You know, for, all, for all you know, if there was some adult who took her home, they might not even still be alive. I mean, you know. Well, whatever, yeah. but uh, no, that's just one example, Libby. And your your question about Donald Trump speaking out of both sides of his mouth, um, I think he's looking at it from two points of view. Uh, Brett, as a 17-year-old kid, and 30 years of uh, his past history as an adult, uh, you, you have to kind of, he's looking at both sides. Maybe he did something when he was 17, but the last 30 years, you know, it, it just speaks for itself. I'm not defending one or the other. I have not, you know, I have no idea what happened, but there's just so many things that are not answered in my mind. Well, and, I, yeah. and also how the Democrats uh, handled this whole situation. I hope afterwards there's an investigation as to why they didn't report it to the FBI when they got that first uh uh, letter or whatever they got from her because they, been, she she uh, yes, she didn't yes, want uh, it to right. come forward. Nora, yes. thanks very much for your call. Well, if I could just answer the last part of yeah. that, I think this is another common misconception here that people don't. I don't. I don't think a lot of people understand that the Senate Judiciary Committee is an investigative body with powers that actually surpass the FBI to subpoena and to get uh, testimony and evidence. And there is a question to to your point. Uh, Blasey Ford did request confidentiality, uh, and somebody did not honor that. Somebody within the circle of people that she gave that letter to, being a Congresswoman issue, Senator Feinstein and her attorneys, that confidentiality was broken, and the basic contents of her letter were first leaked to The Intercept, which claims they didn't get it from Feinstein. The issue is that Feinstein is a member of an investigative body, and she withheld credible allegations, we're not credible, or uh, she withheld scandalous allegations of sexual assault involving a Supreme Court nominee, 
met with that Supreme Court nominee after already having told Blasey Ford to lawyer up and still did not mention any of this to the investigative body of which she's a member. There are, I have many questions about that, but to the other issue of, to the overall thing about FBI collecting, uh, the FBI collecting information on Blasey Ford, I, I think, I don't think they're going to investigate her per se, but they will in their, in the course of uh, reopening their background check into Brett Kavanaugh, will be talking to Blasey Ford and other people uh, she's identified as being either witnesses or party to knowledge of the assault. Okay, everybody, hang on. We have to take another break, and we will be back with more of your calls, audience, and more from Andrew Eggert and Beckett Adams after a short break. Before we go to break, I'll give the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh, the investigation that is supposedly going to last just a week. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm talking to Beckett Adams and Andrew Egger, and uh, both uh, reporters and writers in Washington, D.C. Uh, one thing that seems to me looking at this, this has really opened the floodgates in terms of women recalling things in their past. Uh, And I have to say that I had an extraordinary experience in the hearings where somebody I had just met and I was not in any kind of professional context just suddenly uh, told me about her sexual assault. And that's been happening over and over and over again. Uh, Beckett, what do you make of that? I welcome it. I think it's great. I mean, this is the Me Too movement, I think, has been a really powerful voice for you know an issue that has gone largely untalked about or not taken seriously, and it's been, I think, a much needed call to to flush out some of these um, institutions that have been protecting and running defense for, I would say, credibly accused uh, sexual predators. Um, in regardless of where I think anyone stands on what they believe about the allegations against Kavanaugh, if anything else, the the, the fact that this has pushed people to uh, speak up and be open with their own stories is uh, just a net plus to me. And, uh, Andrew, do you think, uh, you know, uh, I was surprised, as were a lot of other people, when Donald Trump seemed to be, he said nice things about the accuser, rather than dismissing it and said the investigation should go where it goes. I mean, do you think that he is twigging that this could be a problem, especially coming up in the midterm elections? Yeah, I, I think that uh, what Donald Trump's, you know, the, what the people around him are essentially saying and have been saying since these allegations started to come out about Brett Kavanaugh is that, look, this is clearly a messy situation. And obviously, you know, it's the president's instinct to wade into these things best he can. Uh, but it seems as though they have managed to convince him uh, that, that on this particular case, this is really a situation where there's nothing he could really do uh, or say that would not make things worse in a specific way, just because, you know, uh, obviously the president has uh, his own, you know, problems with sexual assault uh, allegations uh, and things like that in, in, in the past that sort of bedeviled him during the during the 2016 campaign some um, and, and Republicans want to try to keep this you know as um, you know sort of by the book 
as sober and as you know sticking to the fact of the matter as they as they possibly can because their essential argument is you know yes uh christine blasey ford seems like a credible witness um clearly this is not outside the realm of possibility that this happened it does seem that something happened to her but at the same time that you know there there are certain standards of evidence that need to be met uh and and uh you know absent her being able to meet those to produce corroborating evidence and things like that, this shouldn't be enough to derail Kavanaugh's nomination. And obviously that's a pretty uh, conservative in the sense of uh, careful and safe uh, defensive argument, which is not the president's style of argumentation, obviously. Uh, And so I think that that he just recognizes that on this issue, uh, there's not a lot of value added by him getting involved. And he knows that the the, the Supreme Court's really important uh, politically to him. So he has uh, so far mostly uh, managed to restrain himself and stay out of it. Okay, Uh, let's take a call from Adrian in Hamilton. Hello, Adrian. Yes, good afternoon. Go ahead. You're on the air, and we're starting to run out of time so quickly. Okay, I'll make, I'll make it quick. I think it's yeah. a matter of integrity. With these uh, clouds of allegations hanging over him, he, sh- he should step down, period. Kavanaugh. I mean, anybody running for, for uh, a political or high-end base uh, with, with this kind of allegation and multiple allegations should have integrity and step down. If you look at Hamilton, there was a Hamilton judge wore a hat in his courtroom saying, make America great, being political. And what happened to him? He was ostracized and he had to step down. Okay. Thanks for that. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Um, We are basically out of time. Um, I guess the other side of that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, sometimes with Me Too, an allegation is enough to derail somebody's career. Uh, But just quickly, very quickly, before we go from our uh, panelists, uh, uh, I would like a a prediction. Um, Beckett, does does he pass his nomination or does he end up uh, out of luck? Well, my opinion has is, is been 50-50 right on these matters. I, I lean towards, I think he gets the nomination, but I will lean more heavily on what oddsmakers are saying, and they've actually moved up his chances in favor of him getting, uh, getting confirmed. And when did that happen? Yesterday. Yesterday. And, and Even after everything, they moved up his chances. Uh-huh. That was interesting. I mean, you know, my take also was that uh, uh, Donald Trump is kind of ready to throw him under the bus, if necessary. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what what do you make of that? Yeah, I think I I largely agree. I think that if the FBI investigation wraps up without bringing forth any new information, um, that'll be enough to satisfy the sort of lingering concerns of some of these uh, wavering Republicans, Jeff Flake, Mr. Murkowski, Susan Collins. And if they and if uh, Republicans get all three of those on board, uh, then Mm -hmm. that's the whole ballgame. So I think that uh, I think that, you know, barring any brand new unexpected revelations, he'll get the confirmation. Uh huh. And uh, get a mansion. And is this going to uh, have an impact on the midterms? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us can presume to predict uh, what that is, but everybody's buzzing a lot more than they were three weeks ago. Everybody's convinced uh, that they are the ones carrying forward the torch of justice at this point, and, uh, and, and people, are, people are energized. So whether or not whether that helps uh, Republicans or Democrats remains to be seen. Okay. That is all the time we have for Fight Back for today. Thank you to Beckett Adams, a writer at the Washington Examiner, and Andrew Egger, a reporter for the Washington Weekly Standard.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.